This episode of the Touchpoint Town Hall podcast is brought to you by one of our partners in purpose, Dame Products. Their mission is to close the pleasure gap for good with their empathetically designed and expertly engineered toys for sex, which can be used with a partner to enhance and optimize sexual experiences. Curious? Head over to dameproducts.com to get 15% off your first order with the code TOUCHPOINT. My name is Jared Matthew Weiss, and every month in New York City, I host a conversation amongst a hundred people about love and sex. Everyone can be anonymous, and anyone can share. Because before we're straight, gay, cisgender, transgender, monogamous, polyamorous, whatever, we're human. And the more we talk to each other, the more human our world will be. On this podcast, you'll get to feel like you're sitting in the circle with us in New York City, listening and learning from other people's experiences in bed and in love. This is the Touchpoint Town Hall. Here we go. Now, tonight, we are going to talk about open relationships. And so, since we're talking about open relationships, I'm just curious from everybody in the room, when I say open relationships, what words come to mind? Shout them out when you know them. What's a word that you think of? When you think of open relationships, you think of? Wow, okay, okay. What did you say? Everybody, we got a, we got a, we got a rowdy crowd tonight. Okay. Okay, what did you say? Polyamory. Polyamory, okay. Freedom. Freedom, okay. Trust. Trust. What was it? Ethical non-monogamy. Okay. Honesty. Honesty. Yeah. Okay. Communication. Caring. Communication. Conflict. Unicorn. <laughs> 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 wow. That was great. Okay. Unicorn. So, so, um, so I'd like to start with you. <laughs> uh, so, so as far as, uh, as far as, um, Unicorns go. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, when a couple brings in a third person for fun. That's uh, that's a unicorn. Sexy fun, yeah. So the third person's the unicorn, yeah. Okay. So if anybody did not know that the third person to join a couple is called a unicorn, say word. Word. Thank God you're here. <laughs> Thank God you're here. Oh, that was like a common like, sexy encounter. Hold on. So so. Do I have permission to ask you questions? Yes. Okay. Okay, I think we're good on the, the drums right now. I want everybody to hear this. <laughs> so, what's your experience um, with being or having, well, yeah, I mean, I'm just not even, I'm just gonna let it linger. <laughs> what, what does this mean to you, being a unicorn? Sure, so I have experienced being the unicorn. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with an app called Thrinder, or I think it's called Fields now, um, but it's like Tinder for threesomes. Okay. And um, I went on it, and a couple kind of looped me in for a night, and uh, they invited me over to their place. They cooked me a really nice dinner, and then we all had sex. Wow, okay. Do I have permission to ask you more questions? Yeah. Okay, I ask that a lot. Um, because, you know, one of the things that I've learned from holding this space is that intimacy is earned and that, you know, intercourse happens to be just another word for conversation. And so when we're talking about these things, I often ask people, sometimes even redundantly, if I have permission to ask what I'm asking. Um, so that's why I ask it. Um, so how was that experience for you? And was that your first experience being with an, a couple in that context? Yes, it was my first experience being a unicorn, not my first threesome. Um, it was fun. There was definitely some awkward moments um, or just kind of like touch and go moments where I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is like okay and like kind of waiting for the couple to like ask, kind of invite me into a certain stage yeah. of lovemaking, uh -huh. I guess. Okay, um, great. Yeah. All right, thank you so much for sharing. I heard somebody say, I heard somebody say the word sharing. Who said sharing? Do I have permission to ask you questions? Sure. Thank God, okay. Um, what do you mean by sharing? You're, if you're engaging in an open relationship, I guess in some ways you're sharing the person you're with. So you're sharing experiences with the person you're with and sharing, the, like, if you're in a committed relationship and you're open to other people and you're, that person is with, you know, another person, you're sharing 
you know, your partner. Is that your current experience? Yes. Well, you're looking at her like. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I always. Like, I, like I, I'm I, not sure. I asked her to come to this event. <laughs> I'm hoping we're going to have a great dinner afterwards. Followed with an amazing, defining conversation. Yeah, this is my wife. I, all I have to do is look at her and she, I know whether I have permission to keep oh, talking okay. or okay. not. Okay, so this is your wife. Yes. Great. Congratulations to the two of you. Um, so, how long are the two of you married? Since November. This oh, congratulations. Year. Thanks. Way to go. Okay. So it's new. This is great. Okay. And, and you identify as an open relationship, as a non-monogamous. There's so many words. And I got to be honest, when I started this circle three years ago, I didn't know any of them. Uh, so, you know, I'm lucky that people, you know, are open enough to share it and, 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 and talk about it. So how do, you, how do you identify within the context of your partnership? I don't think we have a specific title for it, but we have sex with other people as long as we're both around and there. Okay, so, so it's uh, swapping, basically. Swapping. Yes. Is that what you said. Okay. Can I ask more questions? Yeah. Do you want to participate in this too? The sure. conversation? Okay, cool. So I can ask you questions. <laughs> sure. So so between the two of you, who initiated this? He did. He did. Had you ever been in a non monogamous relationship before? No. And I don't think you had either. No, I had not. Yeah. Okay, so when he initiated it, how long had the two of you been together? It was probably like our third or fourth date, just kind of bringing the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool, cool, amazing. Okay, great. And uh, and what? I guess why? Why was that something that like two people who had never engaged in this before? You initiated it. You were open to it. What? What was the draw to it? You know what? What? What attracted you to the idea? Uh, I guess for me, I, I, a friend of mine was in a, a poly relationship, and we talked a lot about it. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, it kind of, kind of makes sense. Maybe in theory, I would go down that road, but never really did. And then, as we met and kind of started rolling, it was like, let's see where this goes. And so I had been around people who were in the lifestyle before, and thought it was probably worth exploring. Okay. And then, how did that? How did you receive it? I think I was curious. I think we both dated so much before we met each other that it was like the idea of totally giving that up was challenging, I guess, at this point. Yeah. So, you know. Cool. Had the two of you been in monogamous relationships before? Yeah. Yes. And so did you find monogamy, like, was challenging? Not challenging, but I think that I was always sort of interested in what else was out there and, you know, I don't know. I, well, like, I guess it depends on how you define monogamy and commitment, right? Like, if you how do sit you back and it? say, like, well, I mean, you can sit back and say you don't have sexual contact with another person. Well, fine, but does that mean you don't fantasize about other people? There's nothing in my mind that's biologically natural about it. It's just what maybe well, let's, let's talk about your definition. For me. So how, what does monogamy mean to you? Uh, you only have sex with one person. You, okay, so you, so you can only have sex with one person. Right. Okay. Um, cool. Amazing. Yes. Well, thank God you guys are here and that you've opened the space to talk about this. Congratulations on your, your wedding. Um, we do have an amazing story tonight um, from uh, a very special person uh, who's joining us tonight who is going to tell us uh, her story of you know being in a monogamous relationship and exploring that and discovering a lot about herself and what she really wanted and, and what she felt was really right for her. So, Jana? here with us. So everybody, put your hands together for Jana. So, so Jana, before we begin, uh, I just wanted to ask some questions. What does open, I guess non-monogamy, let's zoom out even more. Like, What does non-monogamy mean to you? What does that word mean to you? He was referencing definitions. It depends on how you define it. What does non-monogamy mean to you? I mean, to me, it means freedom, to me personally. Okay, yeah. great, perfect. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I won't ask you to speak on behalf of anybody else but yourself tonight. Because <laughs> yeah, um, I usually speak on behalf of science and what we know from science and yeah. all that. But it's kind of, because that's what I do, but it's nice to sort of not do that. Yeah. No. So, uh, so, correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, Jana, tell us your story. Okay. So, um, I'm one of those people who never really felt particularly monogamous. Uh, at all. Uh, ever since I was a teenager, I tried to get all my partners to have other partners and let me have other partners too. <laughs> and, and they all thought I was crazy and or that I didn't love them enough. 
And I just thought I was a horny little girl who wanted to have a lot of sexual variety and novelty and didn't feel jealousy for some reason. And I couldn't really understand what the whole deal was about and why they were all being so upset about it. And but they, I always thought, you know, maybe I'm, I'm still young, I'm a teenager, maybe they know something that I don't know because a lot of my partners were older and maybe I didn't love them enough. So, okay. And then when I was 19, I met her. I met this, this woman who was um, absolutely beautiful in so many different ways. I met her at the first gay, first and only sort of lesbian gay bar open uh, that had just opened in Skopje, which is the capital of Macedonia where I'm from. And it was, it was sort of lust at first sight. She was gorgeous. There's the perfect mix of femininity and masculinity and confidence and, and kind of mystery and enigma around her. And very soon after that, I ended up in her bed. And I kind of never left for a long time. I kind of moved in right away. Have you heard of uh, U-Haul lesbians? Yeah. <laughs> that was me. I mean, never, I, it was never really a lesbian, but uh, yeah. It was a lesbian relationship, so it was a U-Haul lesbian relationship for sure. And, uh, <laughs> the, and the infatuation was really strong with, with, with that one, and it never really diminished. I was so madly in love with her, and I kind of stayed madly in love with her for the entire five years that we were together. And I thought, okay, if, if uh, you know, love is what makes you not want other people, then this is love, right? This has to be the one that I'm not going to want other people. And I did a lot. I still desired other people. It was, it was impossible not to want other people. And for the, for, in the beginning, it was kind of easier to keep my hands off of these other people that I wanted, you know, initial stages of infatuation. And I tried to get her to open up. I tried to convince her that maybe we should try an open relationship. And she kind of, yeah, maybe gave it a little bit of a thought and then, uh, but she was very convinced that when you truly, really love someone that you didn't desire, you didn't want other people. And she was older than me, she was about 12 years older, and I was 19, I was like, man, maybe she's older and wiser and knows something that, that I don't, and maybe she's right. So I let her convince me, and I promised monogamy. And I really tried hard. <laughs> I mean, I tried. I tried as, as hard as I could, and I failed, repeatedly. I, I cheated <laughs> over and over again. And um, it, it was so restrictive. Like, monogamy just didn't make sense. Why? I, I loved my sexual adventures. And it didn't seem to take away from the love and, and affection uh, that I felt for her, and it didn't seem to affect our relationship in any way. I was like, why can't I have this? Like, what? It just doesn't make sense. Just let me have it. And <laughs> um, so time came when I decided that I was going to go to uh, the US. I was going to move here for my PhD at Cornell, studying developmental psych, whatnot. And it was, we kind of thought, thought about maybe she could move with me. And we decided that that wasn't going to happen, and she didn't even try very hard. And a huge part of that reason, I mean, it's not that easy to move from Macedonia you know, when you're 30 plus something to, to the US, but she didn't even try. And part of, a big part of the reason was the rift that, that was between us, because it was clear that I wanted non-monogamy, and she really wanted uh, monogamy. And so I left. And there, there's still to this day, I mean, she's still in many ways the love of my life. And to this day, it feels sometimes hard, and it hurts that I had to let her go. But I've never really did, uh, regretted my decision to do uh, what I did because staying with her, whether there or her coming here, would have meant repress either repressing like hard <laughs> a, a big part of who I am and what is important to me uh, to be happy or cheating and lying uh, for, for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to do either of those things because it felt like the, having an authentic, honest life where my behavior is in line with my desires and my values it, it was important. And um, everything I've experienced since, all my personal experiences, all the stuff that I've observed other people do, all of the research that I've read and done some of it myself on how important it is to be authentic and how, how connected that is to your happiness and well-being, physical and, and uh, psychological, has really uh, convinced me that it was the, it was the right decision uh, to make. And I promised myself ever since I came here that I was never going to promise monogamy to anyone ever again, that I'm so far on that spectrum of how monogamous humans are. Like, I'm all the way, three, four standard deviations over there, for those of you who understand stats. And it, um, you know, I really shouldn't promise monogamy to anyone ever again. And I never have. It's been 12 years since uh, I've, I've moved here. And I, you know, I haven't broken my, my promise uh, because, yeah, authenticity is everything. And love does not necessarily conquer all.
That's Yay. it. Uh, Jared, you have permission to ask me questions without asking me that question. Oh. <laughs> Which is another way to model consent. If you Thank don't God. like to be asked, just tell people not to ask you at every point. I'll tell you if you've crossed the line. Thank God. How about that? Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. We could play with safe words too. Um, um, so, so I do have I do have a question for you, and it is about um, one thing that you said. Really, um, what you said was, in some ways, she's still the love of my life. What does that mean? I still feel well. I've never loved anyone. Up, up to this point, I mean, I've had long-term relationships. I, I was married for about six, seven years. Uh, we separated about uh, a year ago, very, very amicably, uh, super good friends. But I've never loved anyone the way I've loved her, and I still have a lot of love and affection, and still, she's still in my life. We're still good friends. We still see each other every now and then. Uh, you know, we're going to Israel later this, this summer wow. together, and so, um, yeah. Okay, all right. Thank you so much <laughs> for sharing. Welcome. I appreciate it. Okay, so, so what's coming up for everyone? You know, that story is, uh, you know, that story is a, a lot about self-discovery, I think. Um, and, you know, sometimes it seems like, you know, from the conversations that I've, I've had in, in this space, that often polyamory and monogamy feel less like relationship practices and more actually like real orientations. Because a lot of times people seem to say like, I am monogamous or I am polyamorous, that it's a feeling. It's not necessarily just a thing I'm in, but it's the way I identify and it's how I sort of walk through life. Um, so what's coming up for, for you? Anybody? Yes, I see a hand. Oh, well, it, it resonated with me because I, well, I just got out of a relationship, not five years, but also very much feeling of like love of your life kind of thing. Um, I was perfectly happy being monogamous because that's what he wanted. Um, but there was always a conversation that I needed of like, if one day I decide I don't want monogamy, let's have a conversation and not just freak out about it. And that really threw him off, I think. Um, and didn't, he didn't trust me at all. But for me, what, and what resonated with your story is at one point you, you, know, you felt so in love with her that you, didn't, you felt fulfilled and you didn't need that sort of fulfillment from other people. And I haven't gotten so far to be able to test that in myself, so I don't actually know what would happen. But my feeling is that when I'm in a relationship and I get to choose the monogamy every day, it just happens naturally and I feel really good about it. It's as soon as there's pressure on it that it feels like I possess you and you can't hug that person. Or if you talk to that person for too long, I'm going to be mean to you and say things that are, you know, was, it, was there something in the situation that felt that you did not feel free. And that's what made you want to explore other people. Because um, for me, I think that that's what happens. As soon as I start to feel not free, I'm like, okay, like, you know, what else is around? <laughs> what else can I do here? So that was my share slash question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually felt quite free in that relationship. We, we were very flirtatious with other people and all of that was completely okay. And to go back to what Jared was saying about, you know, is it an orientation? And to put my you know, sex researcher hat uh, on for a moment, it, I think for some people it's much stronger than for other people. But I think of it, and I think the, the data that we have really speaks to it being an individual difference trait, uh, a, a bell curve kind of distributed trait in the population. Think extroversion. Right? So it, instead of thinking, oh, humans are all either introverted or extroverted, some are really extroverted, some are really introverted. A lot of people are somewhere in between, right? And so I just happen to be on the, I think, on the far end of that spectrum where I, I love sexual novelty and I love you know, having, having that, uh, a lot of that with other people. Monogamy would never work for me, but I think there are a lot of people for whom monogamy would work, at least at some point with some partners, at some you know, stages of their lives, and depending, you know, may or may not work, um, yeah. Cool. This tends to be an issue that is very polarizing. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of opinions, and there's also a lot of re research on these things. But it's also one of these things where people will say, like, monogamy is not natural. 
and nobody should really be monogamous. Some people will say, no, we should be monogamous because this is how, how we should be. And I think that one of the inspirations for this space is that if there's anything we've all been told, regardless of what you believe in, it's like what you should and should not be. And it's in most of the books we read, and it's in all the shows and the advertisements we see in some sense. And what makes this space special is that it's not a space for us to live in the what we should and should not, but rather just sharing what we feel we are and who we are. And so as we're talking about this, I want to know, like, what's coming up for you? Where do you feel you are in your life on this particular subject? Like, do you feel truly polyamorous? Do you feel like, as she's saying, like that there's a need for sexual novelty and, and connection and, and, and as he was saying, and having, not having sex with one person? Or do you feel like maybe one person is, is the right thing for you? What's coming up for you? Yes. Wait, I see a hand. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of tried it both ways, I think. I went to Burning Man a couple years ago, and I came back being like... <laughs> Every yeah, story like, starts with this. <laughs> Every story. I was like, yeah, it's like polyamory, it's the future, it can never go back to monogamy. And so, you know, I had that unicorn experience, but then I also was very, very briefly in a throuple, which is like, we're all on equal footing, like in a triad relationship, and it was one girl and one guy. And it lasted about two weeks. And like in the beginning, I was like, yes, this is awesome. Like the sex is so good. Like why have sex with one person? We can have sex with two people at the same time. <laughs> and then it just got so complicated and the conversations got so awkward that I was like, I cannot deal with this. Like questions like, can you only come when you're fucking her? And it's like, oh my God, like I can't believe I'm in this conversation right now. It was just very complicated. Yeah. It's like a whole other person to manage. I think like just having a relationship with one person is a lot to manage. So I personally decided that I think one person at a time is probably the right call for me, but I did dip my toe in the pond of having multiple people. All right, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate that. Okay, I see a hand over here. Yeah, no, it's you. You're, yeah, you're the oh big winner. Um, thanks for all these beautiful shares. I really need to hear them tonight. Um, I have been with my partner, now fiance, for seven and a half years, and we have been non-monogamous for that entire time. And uh, what's coming up for me hearing all these really beautiful, vulnerable stories is this sort of question about like orientation. Um, and, uh, and seven and a half years ago, I remember distinctly, right before I met my partner, I remember distinctly feeling like non-monogamy was absolutely my reality and my orientation. I had failed several times at monogamy. And I had known so many people who were in long-standing affairs. I had been in an affair myself and, and I just thought, it, it made so much non-monogamy made so much sense because it because it meant honesty. Uh, I, I saw that also having extramarital affairs were propping up these marriages in in ways that were very substantial. It was really healing to these marriages, but sort of without knowledge. And I thought, why not heal these relationships, but with knowledge and sort of with honesty and with courage and with openness? And I, and I sort of also very naively thought like, if we can have conversations about sex and desire, and the most taboo, you know, thing in the in that we could possibly discuss, then we can conquer everything. Now it turned out that wasn't going to be the case for us. That wasn't the most taboo thing in our relationship. It was our commitment, actually, that was like the most difficult thing that. That, that we needed to talk about. So, so we had other issues, but um, so, so uh, I sort of decided that I wanted this in my life and completely manifested it, met this incredible, incredible man. And it came with like a whole community of people who, who already had like long-standing polyamorous marriages had been together for you know, 15, 16, 17 years. They, they, they worked very well. We had all of these incredible role models. And we were like, oh my god, yes, this makes so much sense. And, and I realized sort of looking back that my interest in non-monogamy was for like personal growth and, like, and like self-awareness and, and sort of like spiritual growth. And I think 
his, no judgment, I think his interest was this more sort of like hedonistic play. Um, and then, and then I was like, yes to hedonism. And then, and then, which was awesome. And, and that was really fun. And then I realized that hedonism was completely unsustainable for me. And, and that led me to sobriety. And that was, has been a trip. Um, and, and then sobriety led me to real deep spirituality. And now spirituality has really led me to like this incredibly prudent, place, um, which is so bizarre to like not really find myself like sexually engaging while, while my partner still like very, very much, you know, like believes in his like sexual power and his sexual connectivity. And he is like the, 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 you know, to the nth degree, you know, uh, the extrovert while I sit right on the fence, like of being both extrovert and introvert, I'm right in the middle. I'm sure you all know who you are if you're also in this room. So, you know, I, 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 that's that's what's coming up for me. And 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 I'm and I came to I came to this touch point because I really believe that I'm still non-monogamous, but I am really tired of like sort of feeling challenged. And actually, what came up as as I as I heard. Um, Jonna's share was I felt jealous. I really felt jealous to be out of touch with with my with the non with like the the true like powerful non-monogamist in me who who like really felt free and um, and courageous. Uh, uh, but the other part of me that is really like I don't know uh, this like prudent spiritualist who's kind of like meditating and I'm like I don't know is is everything closed closed down down there I don't know what's going on it's just so so like I I'm I can't lie about where I'm at in this process and I and I feel like I just want to I really want to hear all the all the beautiful messages that I still like theoretically really believe in but in practice my like I don't know where I'm at you know thank you so much for sharing This is going to be a new thing. I haven't done this in two years, but I just look at a person and go, <laughs> and they go yes, you can ask me questions. <laughs> okay, so is non-monogamy about sex? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> we maintain the space by just putting our hands up. Is it about sex? Um, initially, for us, it, it was. It, I mean, actually, no. I, I think... For me, it was about communication. It was about trust and honesty. It was about the, the deepest aspect of our of our intimacy and our connectivity. Um, and and then sometimes, yeah, it's maybe just about sex. And and I think maybe what scares me at this point in my um, journey is that I tend to connect very deeply with people when I do connect. And I find now I've just find sort of sex just kind of boring like I'm I'm sober so I don't get like rocked on drugs or alcohol and like just like throw down with people like I mean we had we had like it was just never-ending like group sex it was it was awesome I mean it was like I, I like I'm a musician I've had the, all the it just like it was endless it was endless to the point that it was boring because none of it was novel anymore and I was and and it would be like Nine in the morning, like I could not, there was no end to the hedonism. <laughs> so, so that novelty wore off and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And, and also like I was losing my voice, I had to get sober. Like it, my life depended on it. And, and then, uh, so point, point being, no. I, I think like an, an intimacy, there's, there, there, are, there are people who can just do a sexual connection and that's novel enough. And I think for me, it's an intimacy connection. And I think when the intimacy gets too intense, then maybe the sex feels too bonding. So, and that, so are and you that having experience? So, but you've been talking a lot when you talk about being, you know, prudent. It sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is like you're referencing in the good old days I was having group sex and loving it and now I don't have like the sexual energy. I guess what I just want to know is like, you know, from my research, <laughs> so funny, um, is that sex is about connection, 
It's, it's really, it's like, even when it's driven by pleasure, it's about connection. It's about the fact that we do it with another person, right? And like, I, I guess what I want to know is, there seems to just be equation between non-monogamy and like sex. And I want to know if there's another level for you where do you find yourself connecting with other people? You might not feel like your Kundalini energy is rising, but like, I'm just wondering if like, <laughs> I just, by the way, uh, got certified as a Kundalini teacher this weekend. <laughs> Should I say that? So Satnam. Um, but do, are you connecting with other people? Like, do you, you feel mean, like you're saying your partner's still out there and, and uh, but like, oh. are you, are you still creating connections? You might not be ha having sexual relationships, but are you building connections with people? And are those connections different now that you're sober? Absolutely. Okay. So what does that look like? Oh, like, are they love connections? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that word means. Everybody defines oh. everything differently, but I are mean, they, for you, are they, inti are they yeah, intimate? Yeah. What's going on? Like, are you, you know, like. There seems to be a very strong connection between non-monogamy and sex, but you're not having sex, so you're wondering if you're non-monogamous. And based on like what I've understood is that like non-monogamy is actually not exclusively just about sex. There's other there's it's about lots of things. So and so what's what's going on? No, I I I would say that I don't have I mean I have I make strong connections with people and I have and I have had a you know a long-standing lover in a different city but we don't like we don't we, we don't really have a like strong polyamorous like fully polyamorous like expression of our relationship so so no no i i would say no like i, I am not like expressing love this like love energy the way i express it to mm -hmm. my partner yeah so so no okay all yeah. right well thank you so much for sharing i appreciate it okay so our next storyteller tonight has a story that, you know, I, I was very excited that he was open to sharing with us. Um, and I, I do think that like, a lot of what I think I've discovered non-monogamy seems to serve as, is it just even the talk, just to talk about it, it serves as a bit of a mirror for where we are, who we are, our emotional state. It triggers a lot of people in one way or another. And it's really, if anything, it seems to be a real path towards self-discovery and discovering where I am and who I am and what I really want and what I really need. And we have a story here tonight from somebody who uh, is in an open marriage and after they opened their marriage, uh, had to face some real things about himself. And he was you know, really uh, bold enough to come here and share this story with us. And so I'm so grateful. And so he's here tonight. So everybody give him a round of applause. So that's him standing on his knees. <laughs> so um, so uh, before we start, I just wanted to ask, what does being in an open relationship mean to you? I know you're in an open marriage. So what does that mean to you? Uh, trust. Trust. Okay, mm -hmm. great. So tell us your story. Okay. Uh, hi. I am a six foot five human being. <laughs> <laughs> um, that has a regular size dick. So, and I am a, I am a, I am a grower, not a shower. So now that we got that out of the way, um, yes, we are in an open marriage. Uh, and I wanted you to think about that because I wanted to break some, uh, you know, myths out there. But yes, we're in an open marriage. And so um, the first time I brought this to the attention of my guy friends who were at a bar, the first thing that came out of their mouth was like, dude, aren't you afraid that she's going to be fucking man with a bigger dick? <laughs> and I was like, no, I got this, man. Like, you know, and it's, it's, it's going to take a while until she'll, she encounters these specimens out there. It's going to take like a few dates. And like, <laughs> by that time, we're going to have like enough room that we have talked about this thing. So we'll be really mature by that. And then she met Charles, the man with the, <laughs> the, man with the monster dick. Bam. Um, and, and I'm talking like Godzilla terrorized in Tokyo <laughs> type of size here. So yeah, so so, so yeah, so that was uh, that was a rude awakening. That was like you know, learn to swim, bitch. You know, and so <laughs> I was like, I, I have no time to adjust to this. And what does that mean with me? You know, so um, so that was a pretty hard thing to sort of come around and. 
It definitely was the hardest uh, moment in our relationship because we, were, we had just opened the relationship and I was just trying to, um, as, as a, a man who grew up in Venezuela, uh, which is a very macho society where the man with the biggest dick is boss in the room, uh, and you're programmed with this, you know, since you're like, you know, very young, it's really hard to sort of like not become obsessed with this. And I was having all this like, insecurities like you know she being uh, more pleasure by him is, 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 is she gonna leave me for him I was picturing her walking into the sunset with a monster size Godzilla <laughs> <laughs> that kind of happens sometimes uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so so you know what did I do you know how did I get out of this rut and I did what any man would do. I reached out to Charles. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't recommend reaching out to your lover's, you know, sex partner. That's not really nice. And I didn't tell my partner either, so I was kind of fucked up too. Because what happened with me and my wife was when, after she came back from that first date, and I'm having all these insecurities, she comes back to me, and I'm like, trying to be like really like open-minded, like, okay, yeah, this is cool, you got this. And like, honey, okay, let's have sex. And, I'm really, really trying to be really happy for you and, and not think about the Godzilla-sized penis, but like, <laughs> I, I, I love you, I want you, okay, cool. And like, just give her that space and, and she's like, I'm sorry, honey, I can't have sex with you. I am hurting because he was too big and, 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 and it was hard for him to control himself. But you know, that said, he, he did show her a lot of compassion and he also uh, presented the best form of affirmative consent that and he treated her with a lot of respect, you know. So, uh, so, so that that was that was a very good encounter. But she was like, I, I can't have sex with you tonight because uh, I'm hurting, and that was really really hard to then take in as you know somebody who has this penis size envy. And you're like, okay, here we are, you know. And so yeah, I reached out to him, and my first passive aggressive question, and the only one was, so have you ever? Because I just want to know, has your partner ever gone out with a man and come back home and she can have sex with you because that other guy was too big? And he was like, oh, uh, I hope I didn't do that to you guys. And I was like, yeah, you did. So then, like, you know, and then he was very kind, which was really weird too, because I'm like, man, this guy's got the bigger dick and he's level-headed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of flawed, this dude. And he's like, his reply was, um, you know, I, I, I can see and sense that I'm the object of your, of, of, of your being hurt um, and your dissatisfaction. And so I don't think that having a conversation between us will be constructive, but I'm happy to put you in touch with a friend of mine from the community who helped me out go through the ropes at the beginning when I was having similar issues uh, opening up. And so that was really nice of him as well. So he did, and you know, I talked to this other guy who was very helpful. And then also my wife and I talk and talk and talk, and she assured me that, you know, that, that the penis size is not the only thing, that there's many other things that go into this <laughs> equation. And I, I didn't believe her, you know, <laughs> because, yeah. And so, um, uh, and then, but also I started seeing other lovers as well by this point, and, and you know, it was very uh, uh, eye-opening to hear their stories and hear legitimately from, from them that, that they would say that that's only one aspect, but like they, they feel like there's many different sizes and fits, and you know it's more about how a man, how respectful a man is with the woman in bed, how how much she understands her body, and how much um, you know consent there is in the encounter through and through. That makes a whole package. So uh, fast forward a year later, and you know we bump into Charles at a sex party and his wife. Uh, and by this point, I'm, I'm, I, I think I, I was already like seeing things from a whole different perspective. But the thing that finally brought me uh, back around or helped me turn the page, um, Charles, out of the blue, turns to me, we're having a, you know, and I gave her a, a hug and really was like happy to see him. You know? And he goes, so I thought about that first question you asked me about 
my wife and going out with a guy. So I'd never experienced that. But, and then suddenly he turns and, you know, we're at a sex party and there's this guy on the bed with this gloves and he's making this woman howl out of pleasure. He's just using his fingers. He's like, you see that guy over there? I'm like, yeah. Uh, so my wife went on a date with that guy. <laughs> uh, and I was like, go on. <laughs> uh, he goes, small size penis. Now on the smaller side, there was spectrum, yeah. Um, but magic with his fingers. So he's got, I'm like, yeah, I can see. I can see that's good. <laughs> And he goes, uh, and he made her square for the first time in her life. And she could swear to God that she could not do that. Like she, would, she was not that kind of woman. And I felt really, um, I felt kind of inadequate about that myself. And that's when I realized that, you know, like um, maybe the guy with the Godzilla sized penis is now so much boss and that maybe Pikachu <laughs> with a magic hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a room and you know and and a magic a different kind of magic and everybody's different how happy are you all that you're at touchpoint tonight yeah. i mean seriously okay you're i mean thank god you're here because you your story is so important because I think that there's an insecurity in love, regardless of which path we choose and how we orient ourselves around like, am I enough? Am I enough? And it seems like the practice of non-monogamy is the, is, you know, there's, there's a real, that's a thing that you really have to confront, it seems, in a really meaningful way. Um, and so, uh, does anybody have anything that's come up for them as they hear that story? Yes, what's coming up for you? Um, <clears throat> we had an experience um, that was sort of, uh, the experiences we've had always like kind of, you don't know how you're gonna react until you get in the situation. So every experience is like an education. And we had a certain experience where we were with a couple and um, the guy really took to her, like really just off to the races, like, like really, really enthusiastic. And um, I was surprised at how I reacted to that because I was, I was kind of the one who was always sort of fanning the flames and trying to move things along in this direction. But, but when this started to happen, I, I felt I was, I was scared. I was really scared. And suddenly, and I had initi initiated contact with the female of that couple and all of a sudden, the whole dynamic became about this guy's desire for her. And there was a process over several days um, of, of me feeling what I was feeling and watching myself feel it and, and kind of having this inner dialogue of like, well, it's wrong of you to feel that way. And well, maybe that's not what you're really feeling. Maybe it's this. And the thing I think that really came out of it was um, I brought it. I brought it up um, to my partner a couple times, and at first it was a little rocky. Like, kind of, I brought it up in a very vulnerable state, and I felt like the way it was received was um, I felt um, not like um, put at ease. But but we stuck with it and and kind of let it you know let it sit for a, a night, and then I brought it up again, and I said, you know, I'm just feeling really strongly about this and I don't really understand it and it all makes sense and we you know nobody did anybody wrong here or anything like that but I just feel this like intense like primal jealousy and like I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that I even feel this way and and we just like stuck with it and we just talked about it and, and over the course of I think a couple of weeks and even decided to go on and have other experiences too and just sort of work through it it, it kind of as, as we kind of like gave it a little distance, it came more and more into focus. And I think ended up really informing not just our other experiences with other people, but kind of like what it was, A, why we were driven to, to do this in the first place, what we were looking for and exploring with other people, but, 
but also in like why we were together and like what the nature of our bond was and what that trust was about and what security was and maybe there's some selfish parts in wanting to be with this person and s some really intense kind of relationship stuff came up and, and ended up being a really great learning experience between us. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. So, so I'm curious. It seems like the, a lot of the narratives tonight are around people who are in relationships and their partners having sex with other people. And the, from my understanding, that's an open relationship um, where there's a permission and an openness to be able to explore with other partners. Um, but non-monogamy isn't just relegated to openness. Um, you know, there is the notion of polyamory where people are really forming really meaningful long-term relationships with multiple people. And I'm curious if there's anybody in the room tonight who can speak to that experience. I see a few hands up. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so when we met, I've been in a four or five year uh, relationship with someone that um, you know I consider a partner. But it was a, um, a deep emotional relationship without physical interaction. But we still considered each other partners and it was definitely unconventional. And when I met my current partner, who is my primary partner, you know, we have a physical and emotional relationship, but I still have my other, you know, partnership and relationship that I spend you know, time with, and he understands that those are both meaningful to me. So you, just so that I'm clear, you have another partner that you're in a committed relationship yes. with? Yes, so he is my primary, and then I have another relationship with someone else who, tech, who I've actually been with longer, but is not my primary, you know, was never, we never labeled each other as primary, and he has another partner. So it's kind of like we met each, me and my other partner met each other first, and it's been four years. And but you then, don't have a sexual relationship with this partner. But we don't have a sexual relationship. So when you were talking about, like, you know, for me, poly doesn't necessarily mean sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. We have a very deep, deep emotional relationship, and it's definitely a partnership, and it's lasted, you know, four years. Um, his other partner is a physical relationship that's lasted 10 years. And then my partner here, you know, we've been together for about seven, eight months. But he's oh, my primary. Oh, we haven't been talking about he's in. No, yeah, it's, so that's what I'm saying. Like the, <laughs> Sorry, <it's here>. yeah. <laughs> this one right here is my primary. Wait, this is your primary? This yeah. one's my primary. Yes. <laughs> so that's I gotta what say, I gotta <laughs> say, that's, that's just, I don't know what your Google calendar looks like. <laughs> but so I'm that's already, okay, so this is your primary partner yeah. who you have sex with. Yes. So and my then you have another partner who you don't have sex with. Yes, but I've actually been with that partner longer. Right. Yeah. But it's an emotional bond. Yeah. And that but partner is another partner who, who they've been with for 10 years. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so tell me about how and they I just have know sex. What does <laughs> like a week in your life look like? Well, <laughs> you know, how well, do you my, balance it? Because I think that yeah. it's, it's so important. It's, it's like, you know, I think, and, and the fact that you're referencing in a relationship that is really just emotional and that you consider that a partnership is an important point to make because so often when we're talking about non-monogamy or polyamory, there is a lot of stigma around, you know, these are people who just are, have voracious sexual appetites. Yeah. And yeah. so... You know, and, and that's not what I've learned from being in this circle. Yeah, so. and that's the thing is like when we met my, my other partner that, and I can say his name because it's a very common name, Charles. Um, <laughs> 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 so just because it just becomes hard. Right, so when Charles and I met, um, you know, we were just, you know, just in places in our life where, you know, he had this other partner and this partners married as well and he actually was the one who really kind of introduced me to this idea of unconventional relationships more than like labeling them poly or you know was just this idea of unconventional relationships and as we bonded and as we grew I actually had a lot of issues that we weren't physical like why didn't he like expect this physicality with me and then 
something we talked about a lot was that we are not physically that compatible because he's an alpha, I'm an alpha, and we're also part of the kink community. So You're part our, of the what community? The kink community, kink? the BDSM community. So us as alphas don't work together <laughs> and his other partner is I'm submissive. sorry, I need to ask, what is an alpha? A top. Uh, dominant right. so if nobody if you have never heard the word alpha used in this context say word, word. okay so there's a few Thank so God. <laughs> you know top or dominant is okay. also so we yeah. both have a certain type of you know preference and because we realize that of each other like we're not that sexually compatible and so instead of trying to make this sexual thing work even though those aren't our interests yeah it would just mess up what we have, which is like this deep emotional bond and connection through everything else, you know, music and, you know, food and just things we like to do and things we like to do together. And so, you know, and he wasn't looking for like a primary, he wasn't looking for any of that. He just enjoyed having deep connective relationships with people and was very open about it and was very open and knew that you know, I would date um, and that my relationship status would change in different ways. And that's when I met him and informed Charles, too. Like, I met someone I really like and has kind of kept him in the loop. And because he, Charles, doesn't live in New York, um, you know, we've opened the conversation continuously that his interaction, I wouldn't be as available sometimes. So, like, we've you know, our calendars, you know, used to be he would come to New York more often to see me to now we don't see each other as much. But when we do see each other, it's for longer periods of time. Oh, wow. You okay. know, so we've kind of maneuvered that. And that's also a conversation between him and I that we had about what he was comfortable with and like how we shared that time and how we shared that time with different people and what that meant sharing that time with them. So. Okay, thank you so much for sharing. Fascinating. So, so we're going we're gonna to prepare to close the space. So before we do, just a quick question. Is there anybody here who has something that they desperately need to share, a story, something that they want to get out? Because now would be the time. Anybody? Great. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> you you, you, you got a thing to say. I, I, something that hasn't been touched upon. That Great. Worth yeah. So... Um, uh, I have a, a family, um, two boys, a wife, um, 17 years, and um, there's a lot of balancing, a lot of uh, time management, a lot of work um, and communication. I have uh, a girlfriend as well, who's, we've been together for a year and a half, we're very serious, we spend a lot of time together, um, and my wife has... Uh, lovers as well, um, a serious lover. Um, they, or we, we all try to find opportunities to um, find when is possible, when schedules can, can align to um, go away together. Um, but of course, with all the other commitments, uh, something we've learned, we've been open for over three years now. Um, like I said, we've been married 17. There's been a lot of learning um, and one thing that we've learned is when someone is really, when this timing makes sense and when, when the desire is there to do it, that um, I'm not going to stand in the way. Um, but what has got us, what helped us get to this place is that idea that it doesn't help to hold back when someone really wants something. and. Um, that was difficult to get there and lots of conversations and therapy and conversations with friends has helped us get there. Do you mind if I ask you two questions? Of course. Great. First of all, thank you so much for sharing. Everybody will give him a round of applause. So thank you for that. The first question I have is actually around your children. Yes. So um, are you, how, how have you communicated this to your children? Uh, we have not. Um, they're younger, seven and almost 10, and uh, we don't feel they're, they have the capability to fully understand that there's a lot of other learning about relationships that they are due. Yeah. 
um, but they know a lot of our lovers. Um, they have friends sleep over, we have friends sleep over. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like by the time they get into high school, they're probably going to use that against you in some sense. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, but anyway, I digress. The second question, um, do you and your wife still have sex? Yes. It, that, do you feel like really, is that, a, is that like a meaningful sexual relationship? Is it something that like you feel like, how, like how, it, how often it, do the two of you It is a meaningful when it happens, but it it's doesn't happen nearly as often. There's a lot of, like I said, coordination and timing and to have sex just, with just feeling right. And, you know, sometimes we're just exhausted and would rather just yeah. cuddle with each other. Was the, was the openness, was the, deci- the decision to open your relationship after being together for more than a decade, having two children three years ago, we're going to open this up. Was it prompted by a lack of sex? We were not connecting. And so we were, there was a period when we were out of the weeds with the kids where we were trying to find opportunities to connect more together, going out date night. Sometimes it was just you know, mo- dinner and a movie. Sometimes it was, let's go to a strip club. Let's go do something fun and sexual. We went to a couples massage experience on Valentine's Day, where it, it was essentially it was billed as a you know, tantric massage, but it was essentially two naked women giving us uh, full body rubs and uh, ended in climax. And uh, it was the first time that. She had been touched by a woman in that way and it opened up her mind incredibly. And uh, seeing that uh, and her experiencing that um, pushed us down this path of continuing exploring things together sexually. We went to parties and um, first had experiences with um, new people that we, we met in, in you know quasi-private public setting. And are her lovers uh, men and women, or just women? Mostly men, actually. Mostly men. Yeah. Okay, cool. But occasionally women. Yeah. Um, Was there a moment where you felt, like, jealous? Yes, absolutely. There was uh, only because, or mainly because, one of her lovers was someone I didn't approve of. Uh, And this actually is is one of the defining factors. Let me guess his name. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was someone I didn't approve of um, uh, for several reasons and through lots of conversations and, and, and with our uh, consultation with our therapists, we, that was one of the main like, like, um, points where I really understood the idea of um, I'm in no place of holding her back. If this is what she really wants. Then I need to let go and I need to learn how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did and it took time um, and I'm, I'm totally fine, but it definitely took a lot of learning on my part and understanding, um, you know, this is, you know, she, it, it, her with him took nothing away from what she felt about me. We've been together such a long time. We had so much, so mm-hmm. much foundation in the relationship. And, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, I knew she had, I respected her and loved her enough to give her uh, the benefit of thinking, of, of re, you know, respecting her thought process and her, and her desire. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really, really appreciate it. Very good. Okay, so, so as we close the space, I always love to do, you know, I love to ask just if you heard one thing tonight that you think you're going to be thinking about, something new, something interesting, something that you're going to marinate on, say word. word. Okay, very good. Is there anybody here who's open to just sharing the one thing that they heard tonight? The one thing that they think they heard that they're like, oh, wow, like actually I think I'm going to sit on that for a minute. Anyone? Yes. Um, I really liked thinking about monogamy, polyamory. Great, that's perfect. On on a spectrum um, and how you feel about it. Um, Because I feel like in general in life, I 
there's like so many ebbs and flows and it's always going to be situational rather than saying like I am monogamous I am polyamorous like I'm just like figuring it out as I go um, and it's like it's okay to be kind of a sliding scale on the spectrum and not really having to define either way what you feel mm. in that moment perfect okay anybody else who heard one thing yes back here the idea of having so many lovers like in your lifetime and I think some I know that for me I've always thought of it just like I'm gonna get married and that's it but like maybe not <laughs> <laughs> so good so good so good so good okay uh, somebody over here yeah what's something that you heard I think jealousy and insecurity how do how to deal with that that's probably the biggest thing that that will that resonated and food for thought amazing yeah. anybody else who heard something yes we have a hand right here he's right behind you wait until he uh, sets himself up <laughs> we need to let we need to let 30,000 other people know what you heard so yeah, go ahead. I think uh, anything that is you are stifling or repressing for another person or out of guilt or shame is only going to hold you back and is stifling your growth into actually being who you actually are mmm very nice Okay, anybody else? Anybody else have one thing? Oh, right here. Add to that, um, I just want to thank everybody, but the young lady over there and finding out who you are is kind of a flow and a journey and it does change mm -hmm. and it's always kind of in flux. Mm. Okay, okay, anybody else heard one thing that they think you're gonna be thinking about? Yes. Loved the level of respect that the guys had about their women and the women needing to explore and the guy, all of you guys who were talking about the vulnerability and their own jealousy and their own having to really work through it and adjust to it, um, but doing it in respect of their lady uh, was just wonderful to me. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. Very nice. Back here. Yeah. Um, I actually just kind of really like, I could probably listen to the whole podcast about people's logistics. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the reality of that, I mean, like, I can... I always feel busy and I was like, I can't even imagine just like the whole, the whole thing about having to manage two people instead of one. Like, yeah, like that's, that's an, I, I mean, I yeah, really like that. It's a real <laughs> thing. Okay. Well, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what I heard tonight. Um, I heard, you know, a story about somebody really identifying not where they are, but who they are. I heard somebody really looking inside of me like, look, like I know who I am and I know what I want and I know that I have to, you know, stand by that and I have to honor that in order for me to be the best version of myself for myself and for somebody else. And, you know, to your point, I heard somebody say that it's not about who I am. It is in fact about where I am right? It's that I'm actually evolving, that my life today isn't the same it was back then. And I have to recognize like, this is where I am right now. And I'm in a different place and I'm doing different things and I feel differently. And this negotiation has to keep going on and on and on. It's not a one shot deal, right? And I think that in your story, I mean, I heard that like, we have to confront the scariest shit, the shit that really freaks us out only to find out that it's not that scary right? And that there's other people that are going to be freaked out as well. And I think that like, regardless of where we fall on these spectrums, as we all sit here, the one thing that we can be sure of is that these conversations and specifically listening to other people and where they are, it allows us to discover and rediscover who we are and where we are and what we want. And so if there's one thing I can leave you with tonight it is that card that's in your hand. Um, and my hope is that you can take this thing, this conversation, and you can take it with you out into your lives. And you can have it with your friends. And you can have it with your family. I recently had a conversation with my father about anal sex. It, it was weird. <laughs> but these conversations humanize us. And they allow us to discover, you know, what we're capable of and what's possible. And so I am so grateful to each and every one of you that are here, that shared your energy, that shared your ideas, that shared your stories. Um, I think the one thing I will say about figuring out a relationship is that I've learned that it's really not about asking what are we and where are we going, but rather what do you want and this is what I need, right? Um, so with that said, I want a big round of applause for everybody who shared with us tonight.
I do want to take a minute to thank uh, Dame Products, who has a, they have a pop-up little shop back there. Uh, Dame is a super cool company that has been referenced like probably a hundred times within the circle over the last three years. So I thought it would be cool to include them tonight because they happen to make sex toys for couples. Uh, so if you get a second, you should check out what they've got back there, and we'll send more information about them uh, tomorrow in the email. Uh, I want to thank Zico, who provides us with coconut water, which is an amazing addition to any sexual experience. Um, <laughs> Uh, I do want to thank the assemblage because they provide us with this amazing space month after month and these amazing candles and this amazing team that puts everything together and they break everything down and they do it. Many of them are actually sitting in the room and so uh, thank God for the assemblage and their amazing team. Um, um, I want to thank our incredible musicians, uh, Savion and Frank. Uh, um, and I, I want to thank all the volunteers from Touchpoint and our production team. These, you know, two guys carry around these poles and they capture all this content. And these stories go out to tens of thousands of people. And I get feedback every day that people's lives are changed by the things that we share. So I really want to thank them for making this possible for us. Um, um, but with that said, uh, I hope you all have an amazing evening. I hope to see you next month. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, we'll see you soon. I'm Jared Matthew Weiss. Thanks for listening to Touchpoint True Stories. For more information about Touchpoint, you can find us on Instagram at lovetouchpoint and on web at lovetouchpoint.com. We'll see you next time.